Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. Well, finally, folks, Outdoor Country Talk is back with another episode with Mr. Jacob Poole and myself, Jeremy Shaw. Poole, we took a little break. I guess we just uh, we just break during turkey season, didn't we? Now we're going to bring it back. Now things have... Settle down a little bit. Well, we did. Uh, it, it was non intended break, but it was a very, you know, after almost two years of recording a weekly show and trying to stay up and keep everything caught up and keep, keep everything else that we do going along with it also. It was, it was really nice, you know, just to kind of take a break, step back and, and, you know, with the other projects that we've had going on to try to be able to, to bring some, some new fresh of breath air into this and, and get us back on yeah. the road. Yeah, I, I like I told you earlier, I wasn't complaining about it, but, you know, I felt like it was it was time for us to get kicked back off and and uh hey, even talk a little bit about how our how our turkey season went if you wanna get into that and and then with the guests we're gonna have on this show, um, you know, kinda touch on that topic yet again and something that probably is going to interest you know probably all of us that are hunters and and how this company came about and the technology they use and and all that to go with it i no doubt i'm i'm interested to to really get into this show today with the guests that we have but before we get jump off into that too much now i, I know we can do a full series you know a, a full show on on my turkey season and your turkey season. well i don't know if we can do a full show on your turkey season <laughs> No, mine would be pretty short lived as most of my, um, most of my hunting seasons have been here lately. You know, I had a decent, decent duck season that went along there. Got to hunt a decent amount, but you know, my turkey season about went far with my, with my deer hunting this year, but hey, that's okay. That's okay. Well, you know, to be the host of an outdoor country talk show, you would think that we would spend a little more time in the woods at least that both of us would i'm not going to say myself in that at all i think i've held up my end of it but i'm I'm starting to think maybe you know you you've kind of slacked on your end some well i guess you're right but it's not like i've been sitting at the house no 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 i can agree with that altogether um you know things have been very busy and we have been going about every weekend. Um, you know, yet again, I know it sounds like a broken record almost, but it's been that way over the last year of going to motocross tracks and, and doing some racing. And we're, uh, we're getting kicked off in a busy time of the year with that. And, and, um, you know, got, got some big trips made, uh, planned coming up here in the next month to two months. And yeah, that's just, that's been my life, man. That's been it. Well, some things just some some things just step in and take away from others, but hey, it's all good, man. Well, and it's still all in the outdoors. It is. So it whether, is. It's not an inside sport. Yeah, whether we're in the woods or well, it may one day be. Depends on how high they go. <laughs> well, yeah, we can only hope it gets to that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that that's a level that we're striving for there. But uh, got a few, yeah. got a few years, a little bit of time before we jump off into that. But you know, when we started this show. You know, we were going to talk about hunting and fishing and everything and anything in the outdoors. So, 
you know, not only do we hit turkey season, deer season, duck season, you know, predator hunting, squirrel season, dove hunting, everything that we do, but, you know, my kids are big in the softball, yours are big in the motocross. It's all outdoor activities. So as long as we've got ourselves and our kids outdoors, I'm a happy man. I mean, it's. It, it'll come back around. But I did get to, got bird gobbling pretty early that morning. And um, I got to lay eyes on him, was kind of pretty much calling him up for my dad. He hadn't killed a turkey in, gosh, I don't know how many years. So that's fine. And I thought actually the turkey was going to come out in another area the way he sounded like he was coming to me. I guess my hearing may not be as good as it used to. I don't know. But I thought the turkey was coming from a different area. And Dad, I guess I got to give him some credit. He he knew exactly where the bird was going to come from. He set up, got ready, and the bird got, I don't know exactly how far he was from him. I'm going to guess 50 yards. And um, I saw the bird. I'm like, shoot him, shoot him. And the bird kind of come out, got to the edge of the field. I guess he didn't. Didn't see anything, and the bird kind of veered back off in the direction he came from, gobbling the whole time. He, he probably 40 times that morning, it seemed like, and I'm like, what happened? He said, well, a little bit too far, I felt like. He wasn't, he wasn't in a good spot. And um, But anyway, had a good hunt, and that, man, that really about summed me up for the year. We, um, we took off, did some motocross racing. My youngest son qualified for an area qualifier to a regional qualifier in hopes to get to the national race in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee in August. So we got a trip planned to Texas next month for our regional qualifier, and we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, pretty much consumed my turkey season. Well, hey, and, and tail drifting, you know, we we proud of him, and we'll be pulling and cheering for him as always, hopefully – Hopefully he'll burn Texas up and and get on over to that next one. But to back, we'll see. To backtrack just a second and to lead into our guest today, had Pops been shooting one of the shells that the man we're about to talk to has, that fifty yard shot wouldn't have seen quite as far, would it? Well, and if I'd have known things were going to progress so quickly, I would have given him my gun and told him if you can see him shooting. But things just progressed so quick because I was sitting there. I was locked and loaded with what I needed to be locked and loaded with, put it that way. I don't want to give our guests away too quick, but um, I had I had the right thing to, to take care of the job, and I would have slid the 20-gauge over to him and let him take care of business, but things just happened so quick like they sometimes do, and we just didn't have time to, to get all that worked out. But uh but I got to lay eyes on a bird, fool with him a little bit, listen to him gobble. It was, it was a good point. Uh, anytime spent in the woods, and when you get that close to one, even if you don't get the deal sealed, it's always it's always oh, that's, that's right. good stuff to me. So, well, man, let's uh, Jeremy, let's go ahead and introduce our guest today. I mean, you know, we we've kind of beat around the bush and and led into who he was, but let's go ahead and say it officially. <laughs> yeah, I guess that um, you know, kind of kind of leaking that i should have had the right or my dad should have had the uh the right ammunition for it you know it should have been some apex is what he had but you know couldn't couldn't slide my gun over there to him that was that was locked and loaded with some apex i feel like we probably could have taken care of it but but yeah paul we got uh we got jared here with with apex ammunition what's up jared how you doing man good how are you guys doing 
We are doing well, here. man. Y'all doing glad well. To be here. Well, Jared, if you would, for all of our listeners out there, would you mind kind of introducing yourself and telling everybody your role with Apex? Yeah, so I'm uh, Jared Lewis. I am the uh, chief operations officer with Apex Ammunition. I am one of the original founders also. So uh, I handle all the day-to-day, the building of the shells, uh, on down to the inventory and the procurement. So. The yeah. brains behind the shell, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, it's not from a lack of effort from uh, uh, my partner Nick, too. Uh, and we can get in that to hear a little bit about how kind of how brains collide here and how we come up with some of the stuff that we do, uh, yeah. being the nature of our background and our, uh, what, uh, what we did in the military. Uh, and that, that played a, plays a huge role in, uh, uh, how we, how we came about. Well, yeah, go ahead, Jared, go ahead and, and tell us how all that came about. Cause I know that's what I've been curious about. So it's a, it kind of a, long with the deal and it'll make sense once I once I get through it. So uh, I met Nick uh in about two thousand twelve, uh two thousand thirteen. And uh, at that time I was an aircraft mechanic at Columbus Air Force Base. Nick was there as a engineer, uh as a captain in the Air Force and his wife was actually a uh going through uh pilot training. And, uh, so I met Nick and, uh, we had a tight little Nick group of buddies that hunted together and stuff like that. Well, in turn, me being an aircraft mechanic, I met my wife. Well, my wife at the time was a captain of the Air Force. She was a pilot. So, uh, me and my wife get married and I, she has to move off, uh, to a school and I, she's doing a, she, uh, a joint army school and in Leavenworth, Kansas. And uh, so I leave and I say my goodbyes to Nick and, uh, you know, hey, man, see you later. And uh, we get to Leavenworth, Kansas. Well, my wife befriends another uh, female Air Force pilot uh, in the school, same school, joint school, and her name is Susie uh, Lonsberry. Well, in turn, they become really good friends and I get to meet her husband, Jason. Right? Jason's not in the in the service or not. He's just been a spouse, a military spouse to Susie. Well, during that time... Um, between, uh, 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 when I married my wife or, and, uh, when we moved to Kansas, I decided that I wanted to serve my country also. So I joined the Army National, Mississippi Army National Guard and became an artillery officer. So before we had moved to Kansas, I had went to a thing called Army Bullock, right? And it's, uh, it was an artillery Bullock. And basically what they did was a, a five month long school on how to put around a 95 pound HE round from one point all the way up to a, another point that's 30,000 meters away with a rocket assisted projectile. So that's where I get a lot of the ballistics knowledge that I have is from that school right now. It's not shotgun shells, but it's a much larger scale of ballistics. Uh, and you're talking, you know, uh, rotation of our axis, wind speed, barometric pressure, uh, wind speed variables up to certain altitudes, uh, you name it, powder burn, powder temp, powder charge. Uh, so by my time at Darren Bullock, I duck under the place called Hackberry Flats. Well, when we moved to Kansas and I met Jason, I wanted to get a duck hunt together between two of at that time, or still is, my close at the time was my my closest friends, and still are my my closest friends today. Obviously, but 
Um, I said, man, I had great luck out here. Let's go out here. It's public land. We'll get us this Airbnb shack. You know what I mean? In Davidson, Oklahoma. And, and we'll do a duck hunt together. So, uh, we, uh, we get there and this is the first time Nick and Jason ever meet and we hunt and Nick's been tinkering around with these shells and, uh, and yeah, they're deadly. They're great. They're great wool blended waterfowl loads and they're, they're doing things that conventional shells cannot do. Right. And public land duck hunting is already tough in itself. It's even tougher, uh, when you're shooting ducks and either A, you're, you're, you're missing them or B, uh, you're crippling them. Right. And we all know how steel is in that arena. Um, so, uh, we get to talking and I mean, it's, 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 so it all happened so fast, right? Cause like it went from, we're sitting in a shack late January. It was Martin Luther King weekend. We're sitting in a shack in late January and we're drinking Miller Lite or eating pizza, right? Oven cooked pizza. It was terrible. And. We, we thought of this idea. I go home in Kansas and I sit down and I always said to myself, I always wanted to work for myself. Right. And, um, I start looking, right. And I start searching the internet and I start figuring, okay, where can I get tungsten from? Okay. All right. China, right. China controls 80% of the world's tungsten. Right. So, I mean, anything mine in America has to go to military application first and it's high as all get out, but. China controls 80%. All right. So I got that down, right? I find these, these little suppliers. I start looking for, okay, Nick, where do we get, where do we get holes? Where do we get this? I start putting all the pieces together and I'm like, this is doable. Like, we can do this. This, 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 is, I mean, there's a few hurdles we may have to, we have, may have to hop. And, and at that time, we're dumb, just dumb enough to try. And, uh, just smart enough to know what we're doing, just dumb enough to try. So, so I say, hey, this, this is possible. Uh, Nick, I said, we got to bring Jason on. So what, what, what's so the good about the, the, the little trifecta we have here is Jason has owned several businesses throughout his lifetime. I mean, that's what he, he got out of high school. That's what he started doing. I mean, he started opening gyms. I mean, this dude was opening businesses every, I think at, at the time, but me and him met, he had three different businesses that he was running. He had two gyms in the nutrition business, right? Two CrossFit gyms. And very smart dude, man. He's like one of those guys that like if your house is if his house is on fire and his kids are clawing his eyes out, he's just like, Okay, let's get out of here. You know? Like one of those guys he just don't get phased. And I'm sure you've probably met some of those dudes. And uh and then you got uh, uh uh Nick. Nick's an engineer in the Air Force. Nick's super smart, man. Like so he went to the Air Force Academy, graduated. I mean, the caliber of person you gotta be to graduate from the Air Force Academy is, 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 is pretty high. Like the, the standards there are, are super high and, and Nick was super smart. But anyway, so we got, we got the idea. I said this was possible. So we gotta bring Jason on. We bring Jason in, right? From the time, and I'll never forget this day, February, not January, Martin Luther King weekend in January, April 13th was the day. 2017 that we took our first sale under the FFL, right? And from the point to, from there to get there, right? I mean, we're already, you know, halfway through Mississippi turkey season. We took that sale that day and I'll never forget. And at the time, I mean, it doesn't look, at, at then it was a lot, 
at the time now it's not, but I remember we sold thirteen thousand dollars in about of product in about five minutes. And that's when we knew, right? And no, we, 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 we never had any investment, right? I mean, we had our family, right? So my dad, you know, I come to my dad, my dad had moved houses and he had a wood shop on his, uh, on his property. And, uh, it's a 20 by 30 wood shop and he had bought the house and of course 15 acres and stuff, uh, came with it in that shop. And I asked my dad, I said, uh, do you, uh, do you mind if I start a business? And he's like, son, I'll support you any way I can. You know, um, that's a tough one to talk about. But, uh, well, anytime you have support like that, it makes, you know, uh, I work for myself. So, you know, anytime you have a support network like that, it, it always makes everything a lot easier and a lot smoother. Even when there are yeah. rough patches, you've still got that, you know, you've got that to go back or, or lean on. And, you know, if yeah. nothing else but for good good listening and good sound advice. Yeah. So, so my dad at that time, he was just like, son, I'll do anything I can for you. Do what you got to do. Uh, we started off with one employee, uh, and it, first off, it was us loading me and Nick. I would come in at night and I would, I would measure out all the pellets, right? I'd measure out all the weights and stick them in baggies for him, these little, little small bags. And then Nick would come in the next day and he would finish piecing the shell together, um, with the powder and the wad and everything we needed. But, um, so, um, yeah, so we did that. We never had any angel investment, man. We were, we were churning and burning, man. Like, like I remember at one point, you know, we were bringing in 10 kilos and, and we thought that was a lot. I mean, now we, you know, this year we brought in over 20,000. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a blessing. Um, it, it hasn't been without its hardships. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of hand loaders out there and stuff like this and, Man, making making shotgun shells is easy, man. Piecing all the stuff together in order to make it in the in the in the amount that we make it in, that's the hard part. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot more to, to making shotgun shells than just making a shotgun shell, man. I mean, there's so much regulations and rules. I mean, we were thankful that Mississippi's, you know, where we're at, the Lowndes County ordinances uh were next to none. You know what I mean? You know, basically you can build ammunition anywhere you can shoot fireworks. You know, so, uh, uh, and that's, that's the kind of way it, it went. I mean, everything kind of, you know, kind of fell in place. You know what I mean? And like I said, when I say we were just dumb enough, man, it's like we didn't know the, the walls that we were hitting. You know what I mean? Like we were hitting these walls and, and man, dude, it's like we would bulldoze them down, not knowing probably the level of the gravity that that, that, that wall took. But we would we would bust it down anyways, and we just keep moving. It's like we never said no. You know, what I mean, a lot of people get to an issue and they'll just quit. You know what I mean? Hell, I mean, we even we even sent uh, uh, we had a scammer uh, 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 bump an email, and we sent a very lot of money to the wrong bank account uh, in a foreign country. And you don't talk about you know at the time you know you're running this on your own your own equity. You know what I mean? Everything you got. We started this business with twenty thousand dollars. That was it. Twenty grand. And have grown it into a tremendous, oh, a tremendous business that's growing at a high rate of speed. Yeah, I mean, 
just, I mean, yeah. And I mean, with the ammunition shortage going on now, uh, I mean, we, we've grown roughly right around 300% this year. Wow. Jerry, kind of going back to that, that the, I guess the very start of it, I know we're still pretty much there. Yeah. Did the idea of Apex, so if I'm, if I hear it correctly, it pretty much came from a duck hunt or duck ammunition or waterfowl ammunition. Yeah. Yeah. So it came from a duck hunt and, uh, yeah, it came from waterfowl ammo. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I knew there were some people out there, uh, hand loading and stuff like that. You know, look, tungsten, tungsten hand loading has been around since 2005, right? Started by with a guy by the name of Cal Smith. I've read his patent several times. He tried to patent TSS, his tungsten super shot. Right. He couldn't patent it because it was too like other metals. Right. So back in 95, federal federal had a patent for high density alloys. Right. Which that's kind of what it, you know, previous art, it kind of fell under that. And he got two non-final rejects and, and he just he passed it along. Right. So it'd been around for a while. I didn't know nothing about it. You know what I mean? I was just a, you know, I was a heavy duck hunter and I turkey hunted when I could. You know what I mean? And it really opened my eyes on the duck hunt. Jason was a big duck hunter at the time too and he turkey hunted when he could you know um and uh and and that's when it started opening our eyes to the turkey realm of what it looked like then you yeah. know what i mean so well without without having this conversation i would have thought that it was it spawned directly from turkey hunting is what well, i would have thought yeah you would think that um you know but you know if you if you if you if you look now, Nick, now Nick was, Nick is the, Nick is the, uh, and we're all, don't get me wrong, we're all diehard turkey hunters, but Nick is, is, uh, he's our, he's a, a turkey hunting fiend, man. Like he, he's chasing 49 right now. You know what I mean? And he used it during, in turkey season. But, uh, the only time we were get together to see what it did was, uh, during waterfowl season. So uh, I, Nick knew, I mean, we knew it would be big in, 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 in the turkey hunting arena because if you look at, you know, it's different than the duck realm than it is the turkey hunt realm because of the, the, you don't get much of a price break, right? So if you think about statistics like this, like during dove season, do y'all know how many shells it takes to kill a dove, the average person? One dove? 15. I'm going to guess three to four. Fifteen. Oh, wow. It takes 15 shells for one man to kill a dove, right? So you probably safely say probably half that, right? So the, you know, on a full TSS load, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it depending on the guy, you know what I mean? One, if he's a really good shot, it's going to benefit him. Like we always say, we can make you a better shell. We can't make you a better shot. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, on a full one ounce, 12 gauge TSS load, you're looking at $6 a round. You know what I mean? If you're a good shot, that ain't nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're not a good shot, uh, I mean, I've seen guys go through about two boxes, 25 <laughs> in a duck hole. So, you know what I mean? And I'm kind of yeah. looking at them, you know, it's like I carry like one box with me, you know, because I'm just not out there flinging shells. But, um, but yeah, but, but you look at turkey, you know, one bird, you know, 10 bucks, right? I, I, dude, I'm telling you right now, I'll pay 10 bucks for peace of mind and a turkey all day long. All day. You know what I mean? All day, every day. You know, after, and a lot of guys say, man, well, you know, people have been conditioned, man. And this is, this is what I feel strong about. People have been conditioned for years and years and years. They got to shoot the cheapest thing out there. 
You know what I mean? Well, I'm giving you a shell that's probably worth more than what we're selling it for because of the stuff that it does. You know what I mean? And, you know, after you go out and you spend $1,500 on a lease, you got a $45,000 truck, you're putting, filling up a tank of gas every time you go. You know, and you just bought a $1,500 shotgun. You got a vest that's probably holding about seven, $800 worth of call. Not to mention the, the most important part of your, your hunt experience is your time. And you want to go out there and fling the cheapest thing you can at them? I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, that's what oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I get it. Jared, over the years, uh, you know, we kind of talked about this before the show, but over the years I've been asked a lot, you know, why do you use TSS? Mainly it does what it's supposed to. You know, yes, I feel comfortable shooting a turkey way, you know, a longer distance. Am I probably going to? No. I'm still going to shoot him at that 20 to 30 yard mark, but if I need to reach out there to 50 or 60, I have no problem whatsoever. Yeah, well, and, and he, that to me here's where it helps. Here's where it helps. Uh, here's where it helps the hunter. Right. So and I've had this happen. This happened to a buddy of mine. It's happened to a lot of folks, man. We're not built in laser rangefinders. We're not. So you, you know, I had a buddy of mine, and luckily he was shooting TSS. You know, or could have went, it could have went bad, but he was on, he was on field lines and he honestly thought the bird was 50 yards. That was his mental range finder. That bird was 50 yards and he shot the bird and he wasn't 50 yards. He was seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was with a 20 game. You know what I mean? If he'd have probably been shooting on something else, Lord knows he probably could have wounded the bird. Right? Yeah. And that's just not, that's not his fault. He wasn't trying to shoot 70 yards. He knew he, he could shoot 50, but he couldn't, you know what I mean? His, his mind was tricking him, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know what I mean? You know, when you're sitting there losing your breath because one's walking to you, you know what I mean? It's, it, things happen so fast. It just, you know, you can't buy confidence, right? You know what I mean? Like confidence isn't just something that just comes with everything, right? But you can get confidence in these shells and what they're going to do for you. Because you know, hey, man, I'm going to kill this bird at 40. You know what I mean? But if I misjudge, I'm, I'm covered up to X amount. So, oh, yeah, no doubt. Well, in in my case, I travel a lot. Not only am I hunting in Mississippi, but I'm also chasing the 49. And you get up in some of these other states where you can see further, it's harder to me to judge distance. So, like you say, that built-in range finder, my range, I may look at it and say, all right, that bird's 40 yards. Well, he may be 55, he may be 60. Just because there's nothing out there. If you're in a 300-acre cornfield, there's nothing out there to judge it by. You know, you're, you're using all the years of experience and you, your eye and you're hoping you're right. But, you know, as long as I've got a TSS shell loaded, I don't really think about it. I'm, I'm getting my head down on my gun and... And, and aiming where I'm supposed to and letting it fly. Yeah. And that's, that's the confidence that you're talking about. I mean, when I, when I take that one variable out of all the other variables that can go wrong in the turkey woods, that, that gives me that level of confidence that when I, when I rack that shell in my gun in the morning, I know if I let it loose, I'm coming out with a bird. That, that means something's got, got within range and I'm not, I'm not debating it anymore. Oh, Jared, I got, Jared, I got a question. You know, we, we're, we're pretty much talking through a lot of the benefits of TSS, right? Did, so did, 
did you guys know this? Did you guys figure this out, or did you have to research the science behind it to really support, you know, your selling points of TSS? Well, the thing is, is I, we have seen what it's done, and uh, I mean, really and truly, it's, it's basic science. Um, you know, when you look at something, so I'll walk you through the densities, right? Tungsten is a virgin powder, is 19.1. Right? Lead, which is your next closest, right? I started to get banned because of its toxicity, is 11.34 grams per cubic centimeter in density as a powder, right? And then uh, you drop it down when you when you look at it in a pellet form, it's probably 10, 5 to 11, depending on where you're getting it from. Right, then you got bismuth on down, which I believe is 9.86, and then you got steel shot, which depending on the steel pellet, it's or the, the steel you get is 7.75 to 8.05. So when you start looking at the at the densities, right, all right, and then you take you go from the densities to um, uh, the pellet size. So you got to factor in a lot of a lot of variables that happen other than density, right? So one of them is uh, the hardness of the pellet, right? So it's a tungsten alloy, one of the hardest metals on Earth, six thousand degree uh, melting temperature, right? So hard, one of the hardest metals on Earth. So it's not going to smush on impact like your traditional um, lead shot, right? So when it hits its target, it's going to drive through. Then you got the size, right? So air is modeled as fluid. So less surface area comes less drag. Less drag comes more downrange velocity, right? So those two factors along with the density is what's going to help you get that penetration. So that's where the, that's the kind of the science behind it. Now, as far as the shotgun shells concerned, it's, it's fairly easy, right? You're using, you're trying to achieve Sammy barrel pressures, right? By moving weight with expanding gases. So what you're trying to do is let's just say right now, I'll say a three uh, inch 20 gauge is 12,000 PSI, right? That's about the max you, that's the max you want to be at. You know, you don't want to be jumping over that with your averages. So what you're trying to do is, is, is find the right powder along with the right primer in order to move the payload you're moving without getting the 12 over 12,000 psi but at the same time achieving the same velo- the vo- the desired velocities that you want well that don't always will pan out right because some powders produce too many gases for gas operated guns some primers are more susceptible to uh cold weather temperatures right and then combining the two right so it's 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 a, it's a, it's a real balance between you know, you know, uh, um, um, velocities and payloads and where you want to be, right? Because the, the market is really conditioned to think that velocity is everything. When kind of really velocity isn't that, isn't, isn't the be all end all, right? So when you start getting above the speed of sound, you start inducing drag, right? So when you're moving past the speed of sound, you're inducing drag. So therefore, you know what I mean? The faster I want to throw something at, a, at an object, the faster it's going to slow down. You get what I'm saying? So not always do you have to be on the velocity end of things. 
like I kill go out and kill turkeys all day long at a thousand thousand feet per second and have no issue doing it, right? I mean it's just it is what it is. So achieving all those those things, but man, I mean if you wanted to build a shotgun shell load, there's so much data out there supporting lead and heavy shot and heavier than lead loads, man. I mean it's 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 not hard. It, it, it's really it, you're just taking the time to do it, and then making sure you're marking and checking uh, all your uh, all your blocks per se. Now, Jared, you got into that for a second. You know, there's different primers that you know are affected differently by cold weather. Different different variables yes. affect different things. See, I've loaded my own shells before, and never. I, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that, you know, I and mean, I, we bought primers in bulk and got them from wherever we could, whichever ones we were, we could get. And so, I mean, you, you've shined some new light on that to me, but I know from us reloading back when we first started, which was, you know, probably 2012, 2000, you know, when TSS first started to really kind of hit the scene, we were, we were doing a few of our own shells. And then it dawned on me, hey, I can buy the same or a better shell than what I can reload for the same money, or actually less money. Yes. You know, when we first started, you couldn't really get them in bulk very often, so we would buy, you know, a pound or two of TSS, and we'd make as many shells as we could, depending on whether we were making 12-gauge or 20-gauge, and, you know, three inches, three and a half inch. And, you know, we were spending 14, 15 bucks a shell probably. And now you're going to spend, you know, 10 bucks a shale. So it was like, you know, why am I reloading my own? Other than, you know, some people just want to do it and, and, and kudos yeah. to them. I burned through enough of them that, you know, y'all have a really wonderful product. I'll, I'll run yours. You know, it's, uh, I'm going to find what I like. I'm going to run the fire out of it. Yeah. And, and man, there's a, you know, with a hand loading, man, there's, it's, there's a, you know, I mean, there's a sense of pride there for guys to be able, you know, load their own shields. You know what I mean? And uh, kill turkeys with them. I mean, that's awesome. You know what I mean? But uh, the way I feel is that we're the next best option. Uh, if you didn't want to do that, we're the we're the ones that you would want to go because, like they do, we hand load every every turkey round, any TSS round we have in the shop is hand loaded. Every one of them. So. Well, and Jerry, kind of tell us this real quick, not, not getting off the subject too much, but with all the stuff going on with COVID and with the ammunition shortage, how hard has it been for y'all to get all the components to put everything together? It's not. Um, you know what I mean? So um, we've got a uh, strong partner out there who's helped us along the way. Um, uh, we've, we've definitely been a lot more forward-reaching. Right. And the benefits behind that is because, you know, it, 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 we don't, we don't cut the machines on like your typical mass produce, uh, company, right? We don't, we don't have that luxury we hand build. So we have to plan way in advance. Well, that has actually kind of helped us through the road and with COVID striking, you know, there's, there's a little annoying things out there, you know what I mean? But it, it, it they're not showstoppers by no means, you know what I mean? So we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're trucking along. I know it probably hurts bigger companies, right? So we're, we're just small enough to be okay, just big enough to fill a little heat, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. 
Well, how did y'all come up? Where, where did the name come from? Where did Apex come when, from? Nick. So I remember, I remember, I, so this is pretty cool. So I live about 200 yards down the road from the guy who created our logo. Uh, Nick wanted, and this was while I was in Kansas. So Nick, uh, Nick wanted to call it Apex. And I was like, I got no problem with that. And our buddy Tyler Wheat, never forget it, shot the logo over. And we were like, that's it. And that was it. <laughs> we were like, hey, I'm sold. You know what I mean? And, uh, man, it just, it just worked perfect. What does Apex stand for? Apex is the top. It's, 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 it's number one, man. I mean, you, you can't get, you, we're, you know, like an Apex Predator. I mean, that's, that's, that's just it. Like we're, we're the best. And that's what we, that's what we came out as, as the best. Like we, that's what we were going to be. Like we were going to change, we were going to change the way shotgun shell manufacturing was played. And we were going to come out and say, we're going to take the time to make you the most absolute best shell that we can possibly make. Right. We're going to forego machines. We're going to forego trying to be the bottom man. Right. We're going to do this right. And this is what it's going to cost us to do this right. And then we were going to, and that's it. So, um, I mean, heck, if you look now, since Apex has come on, Look now at the shotgun shell manufacturers or, you know, guys popping up on the scene now trying to do that, trying to do TSS, trying to do, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you get what I'm saying? Like, I mean, heck, you've got, you've got, you've got, like, we're friends with the boss guys, man. Great dudes. Love Lee uh, and Brandon. Good, great, great, phenomenal guys. And look, boom, right the year after us, here comes boss, right? And then boom, here comes Migra. You know what I mean? And it's like, the, the the way the game is being played is changing, right? Because we're looking for, we're making you quality is what we want to make you. Put everything else to the side. We're going to make you quality. That's the top. That's our guys, right? If you were to come in our shop today, we got a bucket called the scab bucket. And I guarantee you, you'll pick a shell up and you'll go, what's wrong with this? I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, there's something wrong with it. It could be a dent in the brass. A small dent in the brass. It could be a, it could be a, just a, just a, the roll crimp just didn't, didn't meet the standard. Right. And that's, that's the way we, that's the way we do things. Right. I mean, we, the reason why we hand load is from the time that the, the shell has, uh, started production to the time it ends, about seven or eight people have touched it. They've looked at it. Right. And the line leaves QC'd it twice. He's QC'd it at the start and he's QC'd it at the end. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we do. That's what we pride ourselves on. Jared, when you say, I, now I've, I've never, I'm different from Jacob. I've never hand loaded anything. Never really watched it being done in person. When you say hand loaded, what all is truly done by hand and not by machine? Or, or how does that, how does that really work when you say hand loaded, you know, shell? Everything. The only thing that we don't do is we don't print the shell. We got to, we got a really, really nice jet inkjet shell printer. And that's basically putting your shell size, your shot size, ounces, all that on the side, right? Right. Yeah. Jimmy, what was the very first load that you guys, you know, came up with? Was it a twelve gauge three inch? What are, you know, what was what was your very first shell that y'all felt confident in, in taking out to the field? It was the 
which is is grown in a lot of popularity because the TSS was our GT3. It's a three inch, two and a quarter ounce. Um, that was our that was our bread and butter right there. That was essentially kind of like, uh, you know, one of the one of the flagships for us. Even though we sell a lot more of. 20 gauge and 410 and three and a half. That one's been growing a lot in popularity because they're just like, man, I kind of really don't need to shoot a three and a half. You know, it's <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, found myself, I found myself being there, um, you know, shooting even, even some of your waterfowl loads. I shot the, was it the, the blended one? Um, is the steel in the blend? I think it was. Yes. Sir, it, yeah. Yeah. It was year before last. I, I didn't, uh, the ones I bought at my local store down here in Summit at Covington, see it at uh, Jake had some 12 inch, uh, I mean a 12 gauge, three inch. I shot those and really good. I didn't shoot any last year. I didn't have any for my 20 gauge. I already had a bunch of 20 gauge shells, but those did really well. And I actually had some of the some of the S3 steels that I shot year before last time a 12 gauge did really well too. But uh, but I started really my first purchase of Apex was turkey shells, and that's what kind of when I went back and asked that question earlier, I didn't even know. That you guys started, you know, in a duck blind, pretty much with the uh, with the idea of the shell. That, that kind of kind of shocked me. Shoot, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call it a duck blind, man. I'd call it ankle deep water and bring it for a duck. <laughs> yeah, been there. That's kind of kind of where we're at in the pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot of that days. was a rough that was a rough trip too. By the way, we definitely did not uh, uh, stamp any birds. I promise you that. I remember we were the last day we were sitting. Uh, and blinds, we do layout blinds and cots, and uh, we were out in the middle of this huge unit, and it started lightning. And I was like, "Hey, y'all can stay here, but I'm I'm, I'm not a big fan of lightning, so I just kind of left." <laughs> so, well, un- unfortunately but, or fortunately, we've been that in that same position ourselves. But now, Jerry, to go back what Jeremy was just saying, you know, Jeremy's gotten into shooting a twenty gauge TSS and. You know, we've got a lot of friends. As a matter of fact, I I won one through an NWTF raffle of 410 that I'm going to, you know, once I get it, I'm going to put some 410 TSS through it and see if I can't pop one with it. But I'm the old school guy that people ask me why I still shoot a three and a half. It's because my gun won't shoot a four. Yeah. So if you're going to be a bear, you might as well be a grizzly. You know, so, uh, you know, we've got both ends of the spectrum here on with you today. That, you know, I, I still like my three and a half inch. I'm old. As long as I, you know, my gun will chamber it, I'm going to shoot. Uh, I hear you. It, it's just, you know, it's what you grew accustomed to. It's what you, now, we grew up shooting two and three quarter, you know, number sixes or twos at turkeys and, you know, developed into three inch. And then when I can finally afford a three and a half inch gun, I got one and, you know, if my gun will sling it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send her down range. But it, it's, you know, it all goes back to that confidence factor. What are you most confident with? Uh, yeah. If, if yeah, you, and I, I'll tell you right now, the, the gun and gauge, right, the gauge right now, that is probably the most undergraded, which I would, if I had to say was perfect, would be the 28 gauge. The 28 gauge? Yeah, 28 gauge, ounce and three eighths. I mean, man, look, you can... You, you, you got a little range if you need it. You know what I mean? It's light. It's, I mean, it's just for me, like that's the, that's the, so I bought a 28 gauge, 
to hunt with for next year I'm doing right now. It's a, um, a Benelli Ethos and uh, actually getting dipped in, in bottom land, the, the barrel and receiver. But, man, like, it's like it don't kick. Um, uh, dude, I duck hunted with it this year, and, man, it's, it's just it's just phenomenal, right? 20 gauge is good, but, man, 28 gauge is just is lights out. So, um, I well, I went, I went with a 20 gauge. I mean, you're sure. I love shooting 12 gauge. Don't get me wrong, but I just, it's not so much I wanted more of a challenge because Lord knows we don't need more of a challenge. We're out there duck hunting, but I wanted a, a, a lighter recoil gun, a lighter gun to carry. And when you're equipped with the right shells, you're not at a disadvantage at all. No. And, no. and I, and I found that out this year. I shot my 20 gauge from the first duck hunt I went on to the last duck hunt I went on. And when you have the correct shells, well, you got some good quality shells with it. I mean, I, I made shots with my 20 gauge this year that I wouldn't have really felt comfortable making with a 12 gauge, to be completely honest. And that's not, you know, stretching the truth at all. But, um, you know, I, I just decided to go that route and, you know, I love it. I got it last turkey season. So I used it last turkey season. And uh, they shot it all of duck season, and and I'm sold on. It. Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. I'm telling you, it's just I duck hunted with a uh, four ten this year too, and man, I mean, it, it broadened the spectrum between what lead could do. Right, so lead. I mean, you would probably honestly stop at a twenty gauge. You'd be real hesitant on shooting a lead twenty gauge. You know what I mean? With with TSS, I mean, you want to kill a bird with a four ten, forty fifty yards? Well, you can do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's 100% possible. And when we first launched, I mean, the the amount of kids who were on their first bird, I mean, it was crazy, right? So right about the time we come out, Stevens or Savage came out with their Stevens 301-410 single shot. And, dude, they could not keep them on the shelf. Like they were going like hotcakes and people were just, heck, I remember when we showed up to NWTF, we, we showed up for our first ever show at NWTF and I was, we were, me and Jason were sitting in Indian Creek booth. I'll never forget it. We were, we were just right there with Indian Creek. We weren't on the list or nothing. And, um, we didn't have these little tax stickers, man, at the time. It was a, 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 a battle on our part that we didn't, we didn't know, but we didn't. So I was like a game warden or somebody comes out. Oh, you can't sell these shells. Duh, duh, duh. We're like, okay. So we covered it back up and we sent someone down to go get taxes. I remember the line, man, the line at the booth was, um, I would say conservatively 50 to 70 yards long. And I had a dude look at me. He might walk up to the front, leave me a face, and said, I'll give you $500 right now for five boxes. <laughs> and I turned it down because I'm not going to let some dude just break line on anybody. It's just integrity. You know what I mean? He offered me $500 to sign five boxes. Wow. And, yeah, and that was that was, that was was a level of popu- popularity as soon as we come out. Man, I mean, it, it was unreal. Like, we had sold out uh, day one of uh, NWTF, really. And... Um, People were just, I mean, flocking to come get it. Even I think it was the vice president of NWTF or whatever the hell he came out for. He was on get some shells, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely. Blessing. I remember. Uh, so this is another cool little deal. A lot of people don't know about. Um, so at one point in time, 
during the life of Apex over the past four years, uh, at one point in time, Jason was in Germany supporting his wife while she was over there. Nick was in Turkey uh, on a tour of duty, and I was in Syria on a deployment. Uh, and the only person we had back here keeping the home fire burning was my dad. <laughs> so we were actually running Apex from from uh, across the globe, uh, thousands of miles away in uh, foreign countries. So, <laughs> Still going strong. <laughs> yeah, Jared, that's the thing is we've always been geographically separated, right? So we did a hunt with Mossy Oak not too long ago. This will this will this will blow your mind too. The day we found the apex in those duckwoods, not even two weeks ago, was the first time me, Jason, and Nick had ever been able to go on a hunt with each other. Wow! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jerry, we have never, because the military, we've never been geographically together. So are y'all all still active duty? So I just recently got out of the guard, um, and Nick is still active duty right now. And uh, Jason's wife is, uh, like I said, all three of our wives are pilots, and all three of them are still in uh, right now. So Jason's up in Washington with his wife. Nick's in South Carolina with his wife. And, of course, I'm here uh, with my wife. Uh, back in Columbus, got fortunate enough to get stationed. She got her to get stationed back here where we had met. Well, that's pretty cool. Hey, and look, I know a lot of people don't do it, but we always like to on here and say thank you for your service. Oh, man, I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah, the, uh, the pride and the honor that goes go with with all of our, our troops, whether former or current, we're always proud to proud to support and say thank you. So, well, Jared, what? Oh, uh, yes. We're kind of coming towards the end of this here. What? What have y'all got new or coming up, or is there anything you want to make sure we get out to the listeners before you know before we wrap up? Yeah. So, um, you know, we've got our our small batch line that just uh, released probably about a year ago that. You know, is gaining a little bit of popularity right now. Uh, it's just a, uh, it's a custom line that we do where a guy can order online or call the shop and uh, have custom shells and personalized shells built for them. Uh, we've got that. Uh, we're looking at this year, uh, releasing some new waterfowl blends. So we had the, you know, twos, fours and BBs over nines. Uh, and we're looking to add seven and halves, right? So twos, fours and BBs over seven and halves. And then, of course, fours over seven and a half and a 20. Uh, did a lot of stuff with Freddie King this year with the fours over seven and a half and a 20, uh, 20 gauge. Man, it was, uh, it was, it had some stellar performance. So we got those coming out. Uh, we've got a, um, uh, Upland slash TSS waterfowl, uh, load coming out for the 28 gauge. So a three quarter ounce load moving at about 1300, 1350 feet per second. Uh, and I duck hunted that with that some this year, man. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, I cleaned the duck off the water at about 80 yards. So, uh, 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 it's, it's, it's very potent. Yeah. A guy shot one. It's, it's soared down and was swimming across the water. And I said, Hey, step back. <laughs> you know, and it's funny when you do that stuff too, man. Like I do it all the time. Like I go, I, I've been to some outfits, man. And I watch some dudes try to literally clean a duck down. 
and on a, on a pond. And I, I finally said, Hey guys, y'all just, y'all just hold up a minute. And I threw up and I just, I blasted it. And they were just like, Oh my God. I was like, yeah, dude. Sorry. Sorry, but bring, bring right I'm going to save you. I'm, I'm going to save you a couple bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. A little selling point here. To hold on. Well, that's what, waterfowl, <laughs> that's what waterfowl does too now. So that's one of those things. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're, if you're, you know, a, an average to above average shot, you're going to notice that you're not, you're not going to have to go out there and run a duck down in the timber or your dogs are not going to have to run a duck down in the timber. You know what I mean? You're going to pick right. up dead ducks. So. Cool deal, man. Well, Jared, before we get off here, tell everybody how they can, uh, how they can, you know, get some in their hands, look y'all guys up, find out some more information, call you guys if they need to, kind of put that information out there before we hop off here. Yeah, so you can uh, reach us by phone at 662-441-2739. You can visit our website, uh, www.apexmunition.com, A-P-E-X-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N.com, and, uh, Heck, you can even, you can even chat with our customer service rep right there on the, uh, on the website through a message board. So, uh, you reach us there and we, uh, we'll answer the phones between 7 a.m. and, uh, 3.30, uh, p.m. And, uh, same thing goes for the uh, website and messages and uh, email. Okay. You guys got a Facebook page, Instagram. I'm sure all oh, yeah. you too, right? Oh, yeah. Apex Ammunition on Facebook and Apex underscore Ammunition on Instagram. All right, Jared. Well, look, man, we appreciate it. Heck, that was uh, that was good, man. I got some, got a little bit of knowledge out of myself knowing that apex come from uh, come from a duck hunt. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jared, look, man, we appreciate you hopping on with us. Paul, you got anything before we hop off? No, no, man, Jared. I like I say, we we appreciate you coming on, man. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, yes, yes, sir. And really. Uh, all right, guys. Well, everybody, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Outdoor Country Call. God bless. Well, ain't nothing like a southerner. Lord, to make you feel all right. I got the windows down. I got the radio on. I got the music cranking.